Cut. Oh, fucking cut. Now I'm gonna you go buy, no, I'm, no, I'm gonna go purchase one. That's the I problem. This this ain't for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, the background is mom and dad was addicted to crack cocaine. Okay. Right? Hi, how are ya? Welcome to another great episode of the Doc Holiday Show where we love to uplift black men, black women, black teen, black child, black royalty, the magically melanated. Today I am joined by a true magically melanated royal, royal elder, someone who has achieved a lot on earth, not just in the world, but on earth. The legendary Judge Joe Brown. Judge Joe, how you doing, sir? All right, sir. I'm doing okay today. What? Bright and sunny, a little hot, a little warm, but you know it's like that. It is. Thank you for joining the show. And like I said, I, I use the judge. I mean, I use the gavel anyway, Judge Joe. This is just one of my things because I be passing judgment on people who, some people who suck, but some some of us who do great things. So with you, you legendary. So I'm gonna pass the gavel before uh, we start this episode. But first of all, Judge Joe, I mean, what are you up to these days? Well, let's see. Trying to be of service. And they've talked me into running for mayor of Memphis next year. So that's going to be JJB in 2023 for mayor of Memphis, Tennessee. Send Brown downtown. And meanwhile, speaking of JJB, that's Judge Joe Brown, barbecue, JJBBQ.com. Go there and order yourself some, and you will find it some great stuff. And it will be on shelves soon, but you can get a jump start on it. And it goes good on practically anything, including French fries. And we have also barbecue powder or seasoning. We have chicken links, smoked and raw, hot, mild, you name it, and some other products. And the stuff is very good. So, deal with it and satisfy your craving for flavor. And if you're ever in Los Angeles, go down in the hood to 79th and Western and on the corner, you will find D's original takeout grill and chef Damon, uh, make some pretty damn good barbecue using the stuff. We kind of collaborated on that. He made it healthy and I'd been making it, you know, the old time way for, years and years so it's good stuff first of all judge Joe, hold on judge Joe. really love it judge Joe, barbecue so- of memphis barbecue sauce yeah. on, on french fries judge Joe? yes okay okay i'm gonna have to try you can it. even put it on greens too works well good for combo turnip and mustard or turnip mustard collard greens anything you want to you can find some usages you can even have a Hot Mary. And what that is, is instead of making a Bloody Mary using tomato sauce, you use the barbecue sauce. You water it down with a bit of vodka, some ice cubes, and you stick a sprig of celery in, and you have something that's far superior to your day after pick me up the Bloody Mary or with your Sunday brunch. Oh, my gosh. Enjoy. I, lo- I love it, Judge Joe. Now, tell me about yeah, yeah, running for uh, Memphis mayor. What made you make that decision? Well, they talked me into it. Uh, they put together, some people put together a committee and they approached me and said, okay, I got a place down in Memphis and another one out in Germantown. So I'll qualify. The election is November next year, not this one. And it's time that people got a handle on police community relations. Let's start by not having police oversight committees, but having civilian control of the police department. Let's talk about civilian communications from the street and the neighborhood with the police departments. Let's talk about agreements with juveniles so they don't get sent to the corrupt juvenile court we have here that's completely privatized so uh prosecution is defrayed pending the child going through certain counseling sessions and vocational training and getting manhood put inside the skull so it becomes a matter of personal pride to be about the business of waking, making where he lives a better, safer, more secure 
more prosperous place filled with economic uh, opportunity, personal safety, peace, dignity, and order. And he aspires to be a man of public peace and dignity, but he can be brave and courageous when necessary. We have a river going on down the way, the mighty Mississippi, and we don't need to build a dam. We can use those currents to generate hydroelectric power. We can sink generators down there that would provide free energy for uh, electric buses and industry. We would be able to sell it from New Orleans to Louisville to Chicago to St. Louis and Kansas City. So that would help out. We need to start bringing in uh, seaborne traffic up the Mississippi from Europe and then more going down the other way because Memphis is the transportation net of the country. We have a lot of things that we can do. We can get rid of this thing where we have so many of our elected and appointed officials who are just being candid crooks. They get chump change and they aren't interested in doing anything for the citizens just for themselves. And they do showpiece frou-frou stuff that gets nobody anything but broke. We've got a huge amount of income, but it is spent on a certain few people who get the opportunity to be paid by the city to build things that they get to run for profit with the small percentage of their net, which is always zeroed out. So some people get a little under the table and nobody else gets anything. And this city could be so much, it could be a Mecca and it ought to be the Chicago of the 21st century for the same reasons that Chicago became what it was in the 19th century, but not become what Chicago is now, which is also a result of ineffective and incompetent leadership, direction, planning, and a lot of other things. So there are things that can be done. And I've found one of the points that works today is a man-up program. Over the last half century, we've tried to emasculate the country and not realize that masculinity is the thing that keeps things straight. So we need to put that back in place so the boys aspire to be men and feel deep shame when they do not do manly things. Of course, we have to overcome this thing now. We're, oh my God, we can't have anyone feeling shame and guilt. Those are horrible. No guilt and personal shame. Um are good because they cause humans to act in an appropriate fashion. So we need to get back to some of the ways that have worked that have brought us from cave to condo. Now, Judge Joe Brown. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Finish on, finish on. That said, it's a lot of work, but it can be done. And we need to be uh, about the instant business on social media and other venues to make being wrong uncool, lame, instead of, yay, man, you know, it's about pimping, man. No, it is not about pimping. Pimps are one of the lowest categories of scum you can find on the planet and always have been. Now, we need to get the aspirations cranked up. I'm from an era 50-plus years ago when young black men got married and had families and went to school and got vocations and stuff like that. If only to get that draft exemption. So you did not get a free year long trip to sunny Vietnam where you got to see all kinds of interesting sights and got lots of excitement. So something's happened. We've had 50 years of glorification of dysfunction where we've been ripped off because Hwood, that's Hollywood, found that there was an untapped reservoir of people who wanted to go see themselves in the movies, but they didn't give us anything to aspire to. They went down to the lowest common denominator. So we glorify pimps, hoes, drug dealers, thugs, gangsters, uh, robbers, burglars, murderers, and all sorts of scum. So that's not what we need. We need to put the man back in the neighborhood because we've got 
too much violence going on in hood and hallway. So it's necessary and needed. So what I would tell everybody, if there's one thing I want to leave with you, man up. And it should be your business if you are a man to deal with protecting womanhood and promoting manhood. And that's the way of it. And that's one thing I wanted to ask. Being a man, real hard, because you know if the Titanic goes down again, you're supposed to say, ma'am, you have my seat, you and your child. I'll stay on this boat and drown. But nowadays we've got some kind of dress up. Oh, I want to get in there too. I'm a woman. No, you're not. Take him and go throw him on the other side of the ship and charm the sharks so the women and children can get away safely. And that's one of the things I wanted I wanted to talk about as far as especially in our community, it's the images and, and how we have been portrayed in the media, because you come from an era that's like my father who had to deal with all kinds of things. And when I look back on it was just a generation ago that you all were dealing with Jim Crow laws, especially down here in the south. And uh, it seems like the men and the women were together and was actually fighting for some things. And we've lost that. And you've been in Hollywood. You you don't fight these days. It's supposed to be handed to you. Here, you're entitled. Poor baby. Don't you want it? Here it is. No, that doesn't work. See, um, that's a slave's way of thinking about things when you think that stuff is supposed to be handed to you. That's like if you have a dog at home, you get the idea. And every now and then, it's good to watch somebody's dog if you don't have one or watch your own because you see a lot of us when you see that dog that dog can't feed itself it depends upon you giving it kibbles and bits or stealing something out of somebody's garbage can or begging for a handout servile can't manage its own affairs it's on a leash when it goes out to walk something's controlling it That's too many people these days. So we need to be men and women. Women need to get back to the fundamentals, which is they birth, they have the children, they nurture them. Men, our job is to protect. We have to provide and we have to raise too. We need to get back into establishing family units. We don't know how to deal with each other anymore. Boys and Girls 101A is no longer offered as a course anywhere, and we don't know how to deal with each other. The ladies go around, if they act like ladies, thinking that being married or having a man is some form of slavery, so they have to show some guy they're interested in that they're better than he is, which doesn't work. There's no cooperation. There's just dissonance instead of harmony and coming together. So we, we've got a lot of things to do. And one of the methods is communications. We need to propagandize about doing the right thing rather than propagandizing about be what you feel like being rather than what you ought to be. They aren't necessarily the same. Uh, I got a standing ovation from U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. There were about three or 400 of them in this room. It's been 10, 12 years ago. And I said, you know, your slogan's wrong. It's be all you can be, but you can be a damn fool. The slogan ought to be, be all you should be. And they stood up and applauded because that's what it is about being a human. And I could be funny about it. What do you see anytime you see a human? You see a successful screw, you know, somebody or something screws, something gets laid an egg or, you know, something gets pregnant and, you know, the egg hatches or the birth comes, it gets raised, matured, it courts, it screws, something gets born and the generations go on. So some people seem to think that that, is somehow or another crazy and they want to opt out of that equation that brought us from cave to condo. So get ready. 
I'm sorry, you're only two, two and a half percent of the population. It's your right to do whatever you want to do in your own bedrooms. Hell, get your freak on, enjoy yourself. But uh, the rest of us, keep your hands off the kids. Stop trying to recruit them. Stop trying to poison everybody with this feel-good nonsense of they can be anything they damn well want to be without a consideration as to whether they ought to be that. We have obligations to each other. It's getting to be a more intense world. The safety bubble that we have existed in for the last 70 some years is about to pop and it's not going to be safe anymore. And by the way, I have a right to be safe. No, you don't You live on the planet earth. Anciently, there were things that would like to put you on their menu for breakfast, lunch, dinner, or midnight snack, or you might get hit by something that falls off of an airline or struck by a bolt of lightning, get hit by a small meteorite or a large one, get done in by an earthquake, tsunami, typhoon, tornado, hurricane, you name it, volcanic eruption and all sorts of things are dangerous, famine, drought, rising sea levels. There are a lot of things that are out there that could get you done in. Go down for a vacation on a beach and a shark decides he wants to taste you. All kinds of things can happen wrong. So you don't live on a safe planet and expecting that somebody's going to make it safe for you is a bad way to be safe. It's better to prepare yourself, you know, uh, I hear a whole lot of things about, oh, we have a right to be safe. Well, being free is not safe, and there's collateral damage to being a free person. It's dangerous being free because there are a lot of people that don't want you free, and some will tell you they do, but they really don't because you're not profitable if you are free. So they want to ensnare you in a trap and tell you, We'll make you safe. No, anybody that says that is a liar. They're trying to put you in a position where you will be become dependent. And that's not good. You don't want to be that dog, whether it's D-O-G or D-A-W-G. Now, Judge Joe, talking about that, but and, and, and you are exactly right. And we're talking about being slaves, being in prison, not having freedom or the perception or, or the illusion of freedom. Uh, this is my thing because I, I look at the state that, you know, our community is in. And when I go down to 201 Poplar, for people around the world that's watching 201 Poplar is the Shelby County you know, courthouses. Uh, and I see the majority of, of magically melanated people, uh, a.k.a. black people in there. And I know you became the first African-American uh, prosecutor here in Shelby County. And, and when you was, I was also the public defender here, chief public defender, too. And talking but about that. Yeah, you brought down recidivism rate when you, you know, was a judge and all of that. Talk about what made you get into that profession and, you know, some of the great things you've achieved in those jobs and responsibilities. Well, I wanted to be a scientist, and that was my major in science at UCLA. But I had a minor in political science because I wanted to find out what was going on, to learn the rules of the road, so to speak. And thanks to St. Ron, the ray gun back in the 60s, he screwed everything up when he was trying to end free public education in California, which he did. Um, I got stuck with this little thing. Uh, you need to hurry up and get your degree or you've already been through boot camp with senior ROTC and you can quickly get on this all expense paid tour of Vietnam if you don't get a degree. So my faculty advisor said, well, it'll be 14 months before you can get the courses you need to get the degree you intended, but you have enough credit right now to declare political science uh, as a major and go ahead and graduate. I said, well, what am I going to do with that? He said, well, you can teach. I said, I don't want to teach political science. Hell no. He said, well, you can be a lawyer. I said, I don't want to be a lawyer, but that's what wound up happening. So 50 plus years later, here I am now. Excuse me. That's okay. Sam call. That's okay. Somebody. That's all, right. <laughs> all right. Now, um, 
I've done a lot of things. I've been a substitute school teacher out in Los Angeles, high school and junior high, ran a playground with two other people who are now friends of mine, one of them deceased, uh, Trinity Avenue Elementary. And we had two interesting people as students on our playground. We had the person who we knew as a skinny little 12-year-old. and Now he's deceased. People knew him as Barry White, the singer. And we had another young man that we converted into one of our playground assistants. He became the last person executed on death row in California, Tookie Williams, who co-founded the Crips. We tried to get him out of the swamp, but his mother wanted the check. She wouldn't let him. So he just kind of became the baddest alligator in the swamp. But he did show what he had in him when he wrote six children's books and got a Pulitzer Prize for doing that. And the governor should have not been such a punk and should have commuted his sentence, but he didn't. So he went and he went in style and it took 45 minutes for him to kill him because it just didn't work on him. So that is what it is. Now, since then, I have been with legal services here. A.C. Wharton used to be the boss. Uh, then I be, was with Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Then I became the first black prosecutor for the city. Then I ran the city public defender's office. This is all back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And I went into private practice with Ural Adams and Ruby Wharton. And then when Ural got murdered, uh, they say it was a suicide, but the gun went off more than six feet away. And he wasn't that big a guy. And then A.C. Warden came in, so all of us practiced law together. And then Judge Tariq Sugarman came in. The late Melvin Turner came in. Some other people came in. Uh, we did a few things. A.C. became mayor, and I wound up uh, more than 30 years ago getting elected as a criminal court judge. And what I did was implemented a man up campaign and that reduced the statewide recidivism rate from 80% down to just 18% in the courtroom. And it was all about protecting womanhood and promoting manhood and doing what you ought to do to make where you lived a better place and putting it in somebody's head that that was his primary occupation or her primary occupation in life so that they felt great shame and embarrassment for deviating from that. And 30 years later, 25 years later, I still get people walking up to me in restaurants and shopping centers around here and saying, thank you for what you did or the funny way that I'll usually get it is, Judge, you remember me? No, man, I don't remember you. <laughs> That's been 25 years ago. Well, you gave me some time. Did I give you enough time? Oh, yeah, but see, it was this thing about manhood that you put in my head. Now I've got grandchildren, and I'm working hard, and I got all these neighborhood boys around me trying to teach them what you taught me. And see, that is an important thing, and that's one of the reasons we have so much violence. Now, we need to impose civilian control over the police department. See, American police didn't develop until about 50 years after they ratified the Constitution. It was around 1840, and they brought it in from England. Scotland Yard and Sir Robert Peel, that's why they call them Bobbies, uh, some lord, my lord, uh, he ran everything and uh, nobody questioned him. He didn't have anything in writing and the police were independent, but that's not the way it should be. It should be like the Pentagon where you have a civilian secretary of defense, civilian secretary of the army, navy, air force, etc., and subsecretaries. And what we need here is re-implementation of the director of police. So we have a civilian director. We have sub-directors over homicide, uniform patrol, property crimes, traffic, etc., juvenile matters, drug, drug matters, and, um, we implement stuff to take the kids out of the clutches of this corrupt circus that they call Memphis and Shelby County Juvenile Court 
So maybe we sign contracts with the juveniles on their first offense or so. And if they undergo the counseling and the vocational things and the manhood training or the womanhood training and they prosper, then no charges are proffered and you keep it out of the hands of this corrupt district attorney. We have Amy Wyrick and these clowns down at juvenile court that don't know what the hell they're doing, trying to make things worse because they're completely privatized and it's very profitable to generate future business, which is what they do. So there are some things that need to be implemented with that. We need to deal with the fact that Memphis is the transportation net of the country because it's centrally located at the end of this long valley that goes up to the, the state of New York, down which a lot of things flow eventually through I-40, and it crosses the Mississippi River right here in Memphis. We need to bring in barge traffic from Europe where they put load up barges over there and they wind up putting them on barge transports, bring them to the port of New Orleans. They drop the hatch, float them out, bring them up to the world's largest barge unloading facility here at President's Island. And we need to emphasize that the channel of the Mississippi is deep enough for a lot of ocean going traffic to get up here and dock without having to go through the East Coast where they have to come down that valley to get here before they get into main distribution. We need to deal with the fact that there are going to be a lot of uh, electric vehicles produced at this Ford factory that's coming up in Mason. There's a Cadillac plant for upscale electric stuff here in uh, West Tennessee too. And we need all of that to come back through Memphis, get put on these empty barges, Wow, these spam. That's okay, Judd. It is okay. Put on these empty barges and taken back to New Orleans to these barge transports, taken over to the Mediterranean for distribution in Europe through the Suez Canal to go over into the Asian area and to the Southwest Pacific. We could be making a killing. We don't need to buy energy from TVA or this bunch of characters that Congressman Cohen has hooked up corruption again, we can get it for free because we can send uh, sink hydroelectric turbines down in the Mississippi River. We don't need a dam built and the river isn't going anywhere for the next few million years. So we can get basically free electric power. We can have electric buses that are charged up without the need for fossil fuel and basically provide low cost, almost free transportation for Memphis. Where there is power, you will find if you look at American history over the last 150 years, that's where industry arose, not where the raw materials are. So if you have unlimited and free electric power, you can put in a lot of manufacturing facilities. So people will be talking about 72, 18 an hour instead of 15 for minimum wage or $117 an hour. You can ramp up the educational level of the population. You can make this a Mecca. Also that will provide us the opportunity to not only not have to buy power, but to sell it from New Orleans to Louisville to Chicago, St. Louis, Kansas City, and all points in between. So we have an opportunity to do great things. We need to take our money back and stop dumping it into the pockets of a select few who get zoning variances to build things that the taxpayers pay for, and they get to operate with 4 to 6% back to the city, which uh, never comes back because they always zero out their net on their account books. And we just get ripped off and too many people on the city council and the county commission under the table. And that is not a good thing. We need to get these election machines replaced in the justice departments under Bush, Obama, Trump, and jackass in chief now Biden have declared to be corrupted. So the money's been put up by the feds, was put up by the feds 14 years ago, but the county commission 
just needing a simple majority resolution has balked at that five, six, seven times a year, every year for the last 14 years. And that's because the ones that are balking, they get little chump change and the rest of us get nothing. So turn them out and demand of anybody running for county commission this year to explain why we still have old election machines that the Justice Department has said are absolutely corrupted and cannot deliver a fair election because all it takes is a cell phone and a formula that California published online. You need the encryption code, which I've published. You need the office code, which is published by the election commission, the candidate codes, which are published. You put those things together in a text that you draft out. You go within five feet of one of these machines. And when you're near the slot, just press send on your phone in your pockets. You own that machine. You own every machine in the precinct in 10 minutes and everyone in the system in 45 minutes to an hour. And it doesn't make any difference what the turnout is because you're picking a percentage. Let's say you pick 54% you want your candidate to win by. That looks strong, but not ridiculous. So that means if there are 100 votes, your candidate will have 54 votes delivered to him or her. If there are 1,000, you get five, you get 540. If you have, uh, well, 10,000, you get 540 delivered to you. If you get 100,000, you get 5,400 delivered to you. It doesn't make any difference what the turnout is. So we can't win this way, and we're going to be run by interest to exploit the location of this city for their own purposes. We could be the Mecca. We could be one of the largest and most prosperous cities in America. We're already the 14th largest city, and most people here don't know that. We are the largest predominantly black city in the United States, and most people don't realize that. And we get nothing out of it because the people that we elect, because they look like us, don't deliver for us. Justice down at 201 Poplar, we could have it. There are some racist people on the criminal court bench that don't need to be there. There are some racist judges around here that don't need to be in. But we keep giving them the black block vote because we don't pay attention and we walk up into the polls and we have a two or three sample ballots where somebody with a name has put somebody that has paid them money to be on the ballot on that ballot. And we vote. We had a judge named Joe McCarty. He was judge of division eight criminal court. Now that's occupied by a Chris Kraft who really doesn't need to be on that bench. And I know him from him having been a prosecutor in front of me for several years. Now, McCarty had formerly been Grand Dragon of the Klan around here and chairman of the White Citizens Council. But every year, because he was on the Ford ballot or this ballot or the North Memphis ballot, he got the black block vote in spite of that. And he was not stable. Something was wrong with him. And even when I became a judge, we had many a match between him and the rest of the judges who talked about what he was doing, just being wrong, but he kept getting the black blog vote. He got removed because he was telling jurors when he was qualifying them that if somebody didn't take the stand, that was because they were guilty, which is crap. You have a right to remain silent. So he was forced to resign. Now he's dead. But we have some more on that, those benches that shouldn't be there. Additionally, um, don't even ask me how to get out of jury duty because I'm not going to tell you. We need to accept the call and sit on these jurors, juries, so we can be jurors and administer justice so it's not just us. And there's a lot of rumor going on, too, and a lot of untruth. And from being a defense lawyer, I will tell you, a lot of times your client has done the deed He's telling his mama, I wasn't even there, mama. They're trying to put a case on me. And you've had a discussion with him about 
man, dude couldn't have seen me, man. He was he was lighting up a cigarette, man, over there by the uh, street light, street side, you know, street light, man. He couldn't see me because I was behind the dumpster. Wait a minute. I thought you weren't even there. Well, you know what I mean, man. I wasn't there if he couldn't see me, man. Well, he not only ID'd you by name, he gave the police your mama's address. And there were eight people went to high school with you. And you haven't been out of high school three years. They didn't like you to begin with. So they know they know who they were looking at. What do you mean you weren't there? Well, I wasn't there. They just put a case on me. And then all of this, they made me confess. Oh, man, you have no idea. I would have a recess and I'm waiting for everybody to get up there so we can go look at the video of the so-called confession. And this guy's out there still in the courtroom and he's trying to talk to his homies. Yeah, man, I was down with the colors, man. I was with the posse, man. I was holding strong, man. They're trying to put case on me, words in my mouth, man. You know, I'm quiet, man. I ain't say nothing, man. So you get back and you look at the video and this guy is being told this, sir, you have a right to an attorney. And under the circumstances, we would suggest that you get one or if you cannot afford one. One will be provided. I don't want no lawyer, man. I just want to talk to my mama, man. I tell you all you want is if you talk to my mama, man. Well, sir, you can't talk to your mama except on visitation. She is, does she have a law like, I don't care, man. I tell you anything you want, man. Let's talk about Baba, man. And this dude got snot running all down his face, tears falling down, use up a whole brand new box of cleaning. I tell you, dog, man, it was Shaw Dog, Stomp Daddy, man, and Little Arrow, man, and Ray Ray, man. They was the ones, man, not me, man. And then you get out there and you heard it. <laughs> he said, let's see, there are three gentlemen in here that spoke uh, during a bond hearing we had. Court seems to remember the names. Would you please come to the microphone? Please take them into custody and charge them with uh, aggravated assault, armed robbery, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Now that we've secured them, the defendant in this cause uh alleges and files a motion to suppress his supposed confession. The court finds he was given his rights no less than 11 times. He was advised not to waive his rights due to the severity of the circumstances and to accept appointed counsel or take the opportunity to hire one. He cried. He had mucus running out of his nasal passages and out of his nostrils all over his face, copious tears. And he volunteered uh, the individuals the court has taken into custody as his accomplices. So we'll see where that goes. By the way, no bond to be set, et cetera, et cetera. And they just punk out. See, most of the time, if the person doesn't confess, the police can't get a case. But the stupid stuff folk do and talk about they got done wrong is amazing. Like we had one drive-by where five people got shot, three of them died, and these idiots Xeroxed the article talking about it that was published in the Commercial Appeal. They did 250 copies at Kinko's and they autographed them and were passing them out. It's like, really? <laughs> you dumb fool. And you're talking about they did you wrong? And see, one of the realities is 976 to 97.8% of all people in the penitentiaries pled guilty. Just a little more than 2% got found guilty by a jury. And out of that 97 plus percent, 84 to 87% confessed. Now, there are a few people in there who shouldn't be in there. A lot of, as a matter of fact, when you add them up, particularly the, the juveniles that come out of Memphis and Shelby County. Whereas the Justice Department has found on numerous occasions, the profit-making nature of this entity known as Memphis and Shelby County Juvenile Court, the corrupt, blatant, open, and sometimes silent racism that goes on down there is extreme. 
Now, we do need to make some changes, but we can start by demanding that when we cast a ballot, it is, in fact, our ballots and not somebody else's contrivance to use our visit to a poll to cast a vote for us for a candidate that they want rather than someone that we ought to want or need. And be careful what people are telling you because skin ain't kin. And a lot of the people we have in office are our bad enemies. We have a situation down here, for example, with the public parks. The one where they had Nathan Bedford Forest in down here on Union Avenue, right in the middle of the hospital complex. The one out here by the Metal Museum where they had Jeff Davis. Now, certain members of the county commission got together, passed a resolution to sell those parks nominally so that um, they could get rid of Jeff Davis and Nathan Bedford Forrest. But one of them formed a corporation, supposedly nonprofit, that's designated as something to operate city parks, which is nonsense. And they got as part of the resolution to sell the parks without bid. So each park was acquired for $2,500. Hell, I could have given them cash for that crap, but they didn't put it up for bid. Meanwhile, developers want to pay this entity tens of millions of dollars for these properties because one's on the bluff, which is the high rent district, and the other one is in the middle of the hospital complex, which is high rent. And somebody's half-brother has been storing Jeff and Nathan for the last five years, and that person's getting paid $5,000 a month to store these statues instead of putting them in a Confederate museum. Now, somebody sounds like they ought to be in jail. And all of that money paid in to people are getting under the table and will get on the sale of this property, uh, these properties that should be back in the hands of the taxpayers. Well, somebody needs to look into it. Field Street. Field Street is leased out in parcels. Some of the they monthly rentals paid out for some parcels are upwards of 35,000 a month, but the primary leaseholders just pay a few hundred dollars to the city. And those leases expired more than 30 years ago. Why doesn't the city exercise eminent domain, confiscate those leases, pay for a couple of months worth of rentals to the parties involved and then release them to the primary club and business operators for a much higher price than they're getting now. So the city gets profit and make a rule that you can't hold the lease unless you actually operate a club or business down there. Look at what happened to club Royal Royal Johnson ran that place. It was the nicest club on Beale street. Everybody went there. Everybody had a good time, but he was doing too well. So they ran him out of business. Now, those kind of things don't need to happen. So why is it allowed to happen? They're trying to run a corridor down to where the club paradise is. And the people that got a chance to build those uh, low-income housing units that used to be public projects that they tore down, and now they get to operate them for profit, why is that? Why did we set up with that arrangement instead of doing what we ought to have done to make the rentals fairer and let the money go back to the taxpayers? And why next to the club paradise is there a 40-acre grass field that's being cut by the city for free for the benefit of somebody that's leasing that 40 acres for $1 a year. So eventually you can put some warehouses in it. Why is the paradise, which is actually something that ought to be on a national registry, not beneficial beneficiary of uh, uplift by the city to make it an interesting place. If you walk in there, still operational occasionally. The fire department permission is for 5,000 people to be in there. So it's a hell of a venue, but uh, 
Nothing's being done with it because some people want to acquire it for future development at taxpayers' expense. Beale Street Landing, it opened up in 2014. The taxpayers spent $35 million to build what was supposed to be a gift shop, bar, and grill. The person that had the contract was supposed to pay $1 cash up front every year and to pay 4 to 6% of his net to the city and or county. Well, he bailed on us, so now we have a white elephant because the city can't be in the business of running a bar. What did we get out of it? A giant catfish jungle gym. Wow. All right. Where's our 35 million? Why we do we not have lawsuits filed to recoup that? Why is it we sank all this money into this hotel right down from the Presley mansion on Presley Boulevard? It opened up and three people died because they got bitten badly and they died of the results from brown recluse spiders that had various nest around the premises that were missed because they didn't conduct the required environmental test or inspection or assessment. The city paid for that, but they kept it quiet and under the rug. Why is it that uh, we had this $28 million boondoggle down here for giving a building that the city council paid for to bring in a new airline that wasn't even incorporated, never incorporated, and they sold the $28 million building that we had given them for $32 million and pocketed the money. Why is this $85 million pyramid that Sidney Schlinker built that caused just about everybody legitimate to go bankrupt, but some people pocketed $85 million from building the thing and construction material supply that went into it, and now we have Bass Pro with their emblem on it. And Bass Pro has a horrible EEO posture in terms of hiring black people around the country. And they get to operate it for one cash dollar a year. And we also improved it, put the restaurant at the top end and the elevators that go up the side that never did get put in. It wasn't even supposed to be there. It's on property controlled by some people that's leased by the city so we can give the facility to Bass Pro. It was supposed to be down on the south end of town where the bluff is, where the River Mont used to be. That was Holiday Inn's uh, corporate uh, flagship hotel, which we lost Holiday Inn because of incompetence here. It's now the River Mark. It was supposed to be the size, full size of the ancient Cheops pyramid, but because people had interest in this property that seven feet below the water level, it's half the size and it never was really good for what it was about. So why do we keep doing these kinds of things? Why is it Memphis light, gas and water that used to hang real tough when we had snow on the ground from December through March all the time, 50 years ago, they never had any problems. We had ice storms. We didn't have any problems. And now we've had power outages of 11 to 14 days this year, earlier nine days. Last year, we had problems with that. The water mains went down and because the pressure dropped down so low, we've got uh, pollution that got into the water mains. We couldn't use the water even to wash with for several weeks around certain parts of the country, I mean, of the city. Everybody's suffering damage to their vehicles from these streets that are just in total disrepair. Uh, I've had one car down because debris got thrown up under the hood of my Range Rover and broke the fan shroud. I broke a wheel on a Porsche. Uh, Everybody's had these problems and the street conditions are just ridiculous. So what's going on with the infrastructure? We turned our schools over to the county and now you have the ridiculous situation where 22% of the students, 28% of the students are represented by six representatives and 72% by only two they privatized the whole thing, turned it over to an, uh, an affiliate of Teach America. The guy that runs the thing doesn't have any background in education. They now control the education and training of teacher candidates, the selection of teachers, the assignment of the teachers, and what they get paid. 
And now the teachers don't even need a four-year college education. Two years will do. They start them off at thirty-some thousand dollars a year. And hell, if you're a high school graduate, you can get more than that working at the post office and a lot of other jobs. So what's going on here? And what about the educational curriculum that is not what it ought to be? And the children are not getting educated. And what's going on in the schools is ridiculous. I can remember I went to one high school and I talked to the principal, who's a fine gentleman. He had control of his campus. But I said, do you let students dress like that with their butt cheeks out under from their shorts? What is that? He said, Judge, that's a teacher. I said, what in the world? You know, and it's boom. Where is all this going? So we have an unusual situation again with this man up thing. Memphis City Schools, well, the county schools here, they had an interesting statistic. Young black girls came out higher academically than any other demographic. Young black guys didn't do too well. Young white guys didn't do too well. Young Hispanic guys did worse than anybody else. And what they came up with on the analysis was 87% of the school teachers are female. 54% of them, of those are black females. So the young black girls are getting good role models and attention directed at them by teachers who understand them, but all of the boys are just getting left behind and we're not doing too well. And the last I checked, the girls don't do too many drive-bys It's usually the guys that do the drive-bys. So we need to deal with, again, paying attention to the boys and on the national and local level, They've had a take your daughter to work week for the last half century. I can't remember one time I've ever heard it uttered. Take your son to work this week. Not once. So the boys are getting left behind and we've got an idiot in the mayor's office who's talking about, we need to give refurbished laptops so they can play video games and stay out of trouble. Not one word about vocational education. Not one word about academia, not one word about character. This is not appropriate. We need effectiveness. And these things must be implemented by the people of this city. We have to take charge because too many of us have children and grandchildren that are elsewhere or champing at the bit to get elsewhere. We don't need our future to leave. We want it to stay here so we don't have to go pay these ridiculous airline fees to go travel to visit them. But there's nothing to keep them here at this point. But there could be a lot. So there are a lot of things we could do, and we need to take responsibility and be accountable for the things that are not happening here that ought to be happening. And we have to look in the mirror every morning and say, did you do what you were supposed to do? Did you go pay attention or did you have your nose in the television set watching NBA, NFL, MLB, Atlanta Housewives, Pose, uh, Empower, or some other nonsensical something or another to distract yourself from what's going on? Um, who are your judges? I mean, they grant the divorces, set child support, set bonds, determine what your sentence is, whether you go to jail or whether you're put on probation. They determine your property boundaries, what happens if you get in an accident, whether or not your license is suspended, revoked, and or canceled, all kinds of things, whether or not somebody runs a scam on you because you're an old person and you've got a lawn service that comes on Thursday and somebody's been watching and knows that and they dive in on Tuesday and cut it. And you walk out and say, what's going on? How'd my grass get cut? But, and then your lawn people show up on Thursday. Well, who cuts your grass? I don't know. 
And then three weeks later, you get summoned to the environmental court where they want $1,500 because, or $900 or $780 because they cut your grass and you're already paying somebody to do it. So then they put a lien on your property. These kind of things don't need to happen. You want to go down and do right. Uh, maybe one of your children isn't doing too well and you're trying to get custody of your grandchild uh, who is 16 years old and going astray and juvenile court keeps you coming back for 27 months, 15 months, 13 months, and the costs keep coming up and somebody keeps saying we're trying to find the father. Well, I don't want child support. I just want to be able to control my grandson. What's the problem? Well, the guardian wants it. Well, and after this goes on, wait a minute, the child's 18 years old now. You don't even have jurisdiction. Why do we need to keep coming back? See, things like that get done. And there are some horrors that come out of this place, whether it's downtown where you've got certain judges in general sessions who come in there and wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm here. Oh, did you talk to him? Did you work it out? Well, I've got a lawyer. Uh, I just found out about this a couple of days ago. Can I get my attorney? Well, would you really need one? Yes, I have a lawyer. I'd like to talk to him. Well, okay. Uh, or otherwise, well, uh, we have a sworn account, your honor, no denial, blah, blah, blah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm here. Who are you? The person, I've been waving my hand back here. You know, th this kind of manifest injustice just needs to stop. And one of the things that we might have that I was thinking about is coming up with some community arbitration tribunals where the basic operation is paid for by the city. The parties involved sign a contract to do binding contractual arbitration and you get disputes resolved so people don't resort to violence or self-help. Now, courts are supposed to keep violence down by having a civilized way of resolving disputes. But these days, people can't afford lawyers and they can't afford the court costs. So let's wipe that out, not allow lawyers to practice in front of these arbitration tribunals and have some people who are qualified to do the arbitrations hear the matters and resolve these disputes and cut down on some of the violence. We can do these types of things. All right. Uh, unions can be brought in here. Um, maybe they want to set up or agree to help set up an apprentice program. They did when I was on the criminal bench. So instead of having rivals, they wound up getting apprentice members who would pay dues and everybody was happy because they got trained and they became loyal union members and the unions got more credibility with the employees. And oh, by the way, this thing we have about inviting businesses in to do business here, large mega businesses, and you give them tax breaks and advantages, but everybody they hire comes into the temporary category so they don't have to pay retirement, medical insurance, or anything else, and people aren't really getting much out of it. So we need to be effective. And we maybe need to bring in Tennessee Bureau of Investigation to come in and take a look at a few things. Um, I'm also looking at this thing with the rape crisis kits that the city council has agreed to pay for even for the expenses for Millington, Arlington, Collierville, Germantown, etc. But there are 28,000 untested kits that are still relevant. And the DA's office says they can't get around to it. So they've hired an attorney to vet them. And the city council worked up an agreement with a New York firm, which is costing the taxpayers at least $7.2 million. And they got another five-year extension to do them. TBI says, we don't understand what the problem is. We can come in and do them for free in 30 days. Why don't you let us come in? So there are a lot of things that go wrong around here that don't have to go wrong. And it's up to us 
take that broom, sweep some trash out and put it in the trash can and let it be picked up. And by the way, what about the pensions for these city employees uh, that got cut off because the budget was too heavy on paying? You got the zoning variance. We'll let you build it. We'll pay you to build it. We'll pay for the construction material supply. We'll let you run it if you give us a dollar up front every year and a small percentage of your net, which we know will never manifest because you'll zero it out with your accountants. So what is it we are doing and why are we doing it to the expense of these good people around here in Memphis who deserve better? Now, Judge, th those, I mean, all of those, and and and, and I agree with you, and I, because I, I tell people all the time how great Memphis is, how great Shelby County is, how much of a great place it is, and it has some great people. Now, you running for mayor, you have to be concerned and focused on the whole city of Memphis, and which is totally understandable. And because I love my city, I don't, I don't plan on going anywhere. I've had opportunity to go places, but. Uh, lastly, see, I started this show because you said something as far as role models. Our black men and our black young girls, a lot of them, our black girls have a lot of times uh, more role models in a school setting that and people they can go to and, you know, talk to. But our black men don't really have that. That's why I, I stayed on local television doing sports here longer than I really wanted to. Because I know that young black men were seeing me coming from the inner city and some of the things I've gone through. They like, okay, I see myself because he's talking like me. He still live around us. And that's important. So how can we focus on, uh, you know, having more black role models for these bl young black men and these young black boys to look for and look at and say, look, man, it ain't, it ain't all about, you know, going, go, doing crime and going to jail. It's a lot more of us that are doing positive things because that's what they need to see. And that's why I started this show to talk to successful black men like you to tell our story, our real story and our real history, because uh, Hollywood and the media won't give us an accurate portrayal of who we are and what we've accomplished. Okay. Let me tell you about Hollywood first off, but I will use it as an example to back up what you're talking about. Now I run into a whole lot of black males, not men, but males who keep justifying what they do. Well, you know, Joe, you got to do what you got to do, man, to get ahead. You know, like you gotta, you, you you can't rock the boat, man. I said, no, you can rock the hell out of it, turn the damn thing over. Now, Hollywood never let you know, but no. But if you went to Wikipedia, you would find out that at one time I was the highest paid man, black or yes, white, in Hollywood. You were outside of Leslie Moonves, who was CEO for CBS. They didn't say anything about it. I was in a special CBS syndicated unit with. Me, Judge Judy, Oprah Winfrey, and uh, Dr. Phil. Every week I was beating Oprah Winfrey in the ratings and Dr. Phil, but who's the superstar? Oprah Winfrey and Judge Judy, not Joe Brown. And Joe Brown was sometimes beating Judge Judy. And every time I started beating her on a regular basis, CBS would change the rating schedule for her, but not me. So she would stay ahead. They didn't want a straight black man as being number one in the country in syndication now, but they did not want you to know that at the top of the heap was a black man who was telling folk, be a man, stand up, do what you're supposed to do. Don't act like a slave act like you're free, accept your responsibilities, accountabilities, and the people that depend on you and do what you are supposed to do. They didn't want anybody saying that. But you see, you can get to the top by doing the right thing. You don't always have to slip and slide and do the wrong thing. Now, granted, it's hard getting a woman that really wants to be with you because a lot of our sisters don't really want the man who's out there doing that. So, you know, you'll have difficulties, but you have the glorious moments where you can sleep at night and your conscience doesn't bother you. So it is what it is. Now, I had a lot of money, but 
million of women, that last ex, she got a big chunk of it. I went through four and a half years of California divorce. That was, oh, man. That was like, whoo, man. Uh-uh. No way. That was rough, Doc. I had houses in Aspen, Colorado, condos and stuff. They had Beverly Hills, Bel Air, Ojai, California. You know, I had a ranch. I had 14, 15 horses on the ranch. You know, hey, I was living good. You know, went skiing, had a place at 8,400 feet on the side of a mountain up in Aspen, <laughs> skied every day for four months. I got good at skiing, man, really. Much, <laughs> you know, yeah, it all went, but you know, yeah. I, been here for 50 some years so you know i don't have any regrets about being in memphis place i live in right now most of the time it's all i need basically so you know but memphis is a good place uh it's got so many opportunities and we ought to make it what we can make it but in order to do that we gotta man up we gotta seize control take it and make it so let's do that and we can have a very good thing going and it can all be ours well i appreciate you just so is that around on this screen i got you on the little small oh, things, but you're floating so hold on okay, hey, gotcha. okay. now okay. there you go yeah and now, is there anything else you want to uh, add before we get out of here just joe I, I just appreciate your time and 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 and, and your thoughts and, and everything Oh, by the way, uh, one other thing. I'm not only trying to deliver service, I'm selling socks. Yeah. Mention that. Oh, we got you. AJBBQ.com. It's great barbecue sauce, as I said earlier. I'll say that again. JJBBQ.com. And also, speaking of JJB, JJB in 2023 for mayor of Memphis, Tennessee, Sin Brown downtown. That's going to do it. I appreciate the judge, Joe Brown. That's going to do it for another great episode of the Doc Holiday Show, where we love to uplift black men, black women, black teen, black child, black royalty that magically melanates. Just once again, uh, this is now this one for Judge Joe Brown. Thank you, Judge Joe. There appreciate you, you all for all watching. Right. Power to the people. Yes, sir. Thank you, Have Judge. A good day. Hey, all you right. too. All right. Thank you. Yeah,